thank you, Abby, for that song. It's kind of uh, along the lines tonight of what we're going to be talking about. And the title of the message tonight from Joshua chapter 5, you can be turning there, is uh, it's called An Unusual Plan. And what Abby sang about uh, kind of goes along with what we're going to be talking about tonight. Just when you uh, don't know what's going on, you got to trust. you got to trust. So an unusual plan. So... Um, just a couple of things before we get started. Uh, thanks for the musicians stepping in there tonight, Jason, Liz, and these others coming in and, and helping. We do them. Thank, thank you for that. And then uh, Colin got up here and said something a while ago that uh, that some, I was talking before church with somebody, and and they were talking about church, and they were saying, uh, you know, when I come to church, I'm I'm looking for something. And he goes, I haven't haven't always necessarily done that. And he said, but if you're coming to look for something, you're going to find it. And so tonight, it is an unusual chapter. I'll give you that. Um, Colin made mention of it last week, and if you've read ahead any, all right, uh, the, it's kind of like, a, I think I'm getting like a spiritual hazing or something. I don't know what it is to get, to get this chapter, but uh, it's an unusual one. But then I realized that I do all the scheduling, and so this is on me, all right? So, uh, but it is an unusual plan. So what, do, what are you looking for tonight? Let me give you that encouragement. So as I was studying this, this is Joshua chapter number 5, and man, this, this chapter is sandwiched in between the crossing of the Jordan River, Colin, last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, this great miracle that happened, and then you have a battle next week, Battle of Jericho. And then here you've got this chapter that sits right in the middle, and it's almost like it doesn't fit. It's almost like something is not right about this chapter until you start digging and you find out God's got a way of thinking and doing things that we're not even looking at. And that's where we're at in this chapter. So what about when things, our plans get messed up and things go wrong? So I was, I was doing a little bit of this and trying to get an introduction. If there's one place that you want things to go right, it's at your wedding or at a wedding. I know in, in our wedding, one of the air conditioners went out, and it was hot on one side and cold on the other, all right? So, and I'm a sweater, okay? So I'm up there, and I'm doing this number here. I won't tell you what else what happened, but anyway, it was one of those things where something went wrong. So I found a few instances of weddings gone wrong. This is, these couple of these are funny. So at a wedding, the minister kept calling the groom Mike, but his name was Mark, okay? So... He kept calling him Mike. When he asked Mike, do you take this woman to be your wife, the groom's brother, whose name was Mike, not Mark, yelled out, I ain't marrying her. So, went wrong. But the story ends well. Mark and his bride, they've been married for 31 years. All right? Didn't go right. Here's another one. This is probably pretty cute. A four-year-old flower girl was confused about her role in the wedding. She marched down the aisle, not sure what she was supposed to be doing, but was celebrating, and she was singing to the top of her lungs, Happy birthday to you. So she got confused. This one beats it all. A couple was having an outdoor wedding, and the groom, he was getting choked up, and he was, he was having trouble getting through his vows, okay? And so right at that moment, a mosquito began to fly around his head, and it says as soon as he was getting choked up, the mosquito landed right on his forehead, and his new bride smacked him right on the forehead. 
the, the people in the crowd, they didn't see it. They didn't see what was going on. And so, of course, the laughter erupted and they were left speechless. So we're going to talk about that mosquito just a little bit more. Sometimes we don't see everything that's going on, but she smacked him anyway. So unusual things can happen. Plans don't go our way. This is kind of when we get to chapter number five. We, we have to ask the question, why, why is this happening now? What is the purpose? Let me show you a couple of things from chapter four that I think we need to remember before we get to chapter five. Look in verse number 14. There's a new, there's a new leader. So in verse number 14, as Colin gave a couple of weeks ago, it said this, and on that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. New leader established there. Verse number 19, they're at a certain place. Verse number 19 of chapter 4, and this is a big deal when you get to chapter number 5. They were encamped in Gilgal, the east border of Jericho. And it said in verse number 20, And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch at Gilgal. So with that in mind, go to verse number 1, and we see the fear of the Canaanites. And we are looking now through God's eyeglasses, as you will, as this chapter begins to take place and what happens. Look at verse number 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until they were passed over, and their heart melted Neither was there a spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. So you got these, the ones waiting, if you will, for, for battle. They're camped out here, and they have heard what has happened at the Jordan, and they're like, whoa. It's kind of, we, we hear of things going on. We hear of revivals here, and we hear of these things, and we hear of God moving, and we're kind of like, oh, okay, that's going on there. And what happens, those spiritual enemies that rise up, that come in our way when we have our plans and our battles and our issues, what happens, isn't it funny that they lose that confidence almost instantly when they realize that it's a spiritual battle and God's going to take care of it. They kind of they they go away. They kind of go away. Uh, in Romans 8.31, it says this, Our spiritual enemies will always remember that if God is for us, who can be against us? That, that's a pretty big deal. So they're there awaiting. And then this is where the story takes a very unusual turn. All right? So you've got the fear of the Canaanites, and now you have the circumcision of males. Now let me tell you this, parents. I will not explain circumcision this, that's not my job tonight, okay? I'll let you go home and do that if they have questions. But this is what happens. It was the culture of the past. If they have questions, you answer that one or ask Pastor Jake, okay, when he gets back. So it can be either one of those two that you want to do. So when you go from verses 2 to verse number 9, you have a story and a plan that gets pretty unusual. Why in the world, before marching around a city, would God command the males to be circumcised. So, I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, we're going we're to get into the story. Look at verse number 2. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. 
verse number three, that's exactly what they did. And the question comes up, why? What is the reason for this act of consecration? Verse number four. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. And now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness. And the first question that comes up is, why didn't they take care of that along the journey? Why right now before a great battle and you got to march around the city and you got to start yelling and the walls are going to fall in, why would this take place then? It's unusual. It doesn't make sense. Verse number 7 says, And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were healed. Now, the idea is this. There was a generation that was born in the wilderness, and they did not obey the voice of the Lord of this command. You can't go over there unless this happens. Circumcision was a powerful act and consecration to God. It's kind of like this. It would be saying this. I'm not like other nations. Uh, I listen to God. I'm going to do what I should do. Literally, I'm dying to myself, and I'm living to God. And that had not taken place with a certain group of people, and it's got to be done. Not tomorrow, not now. It's got to be done right now. And you think about this. In verse number 8, it says, It came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. Where else were they going to go? I mean, you literally, I remember back to, to you remember back this during, during COVID and all the people were sick and they would have like field hospitals. There wasn't enough rooms. And imagine if you would a huge field hospital out here and you have all these males that were being circumcised. The idea from a military standpoint was completely a suicidal move. It would be like this got a basketball game coming up. you got a major athlete, and he's got a major game coming up on Tuesday. He's starting the, the, the playoffs, and the Tuesday before the Wednesday night starts, he has to have ACL surgery, and you want him back the next day. It's not going to happen, is it? Why in the world would somebody schedule and do that? It doesn't make sense. This is not the first time that this has happened. If you go back to Genesis 34, Simeon and Levi kind of trick uh, into some circumcision, and, and they killed a lot of men there. So it's not the first time it's happened. So it doesn't make sense. It's kind of an unusual plan. We'll find out more as we go through the story. Let's continue. So we see the Canaanites' fear. They were watching what was happening. We see the circumcision of the males. And then in verse number 10 and 11, we see a celebration. Once again, it's just a little bit unusual part of the story. Look in verse number, uh, look verse number 9. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal. We found out, of course, in chapter number 4 until this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal. And notice this. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at 
at even in the plains of Jericho, and they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes, parched corn, and the selfsame day. So the idea here of the celebration of the Passover is this. There was power in the remembrance of looking back of what God had done in their deliverance. And I would say to you, there are some things that we need to look back and remember as we walk this, this daily life. Every day, we're going to try to look back. Let's continue the story. In verse number 12, we have the manna which ceases. And the manna, this bread of heaven, ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So they, the manna ceases, God did not produce anymore, and now you have a new relationship that is being created in its relationship of trust. So God gave them what they needed, when they needed it. He didn't want to make the people lazy, so he said this, trust in what I've got. Now here's the deal. I am free as God. I can make these decisions. I can choose the source of where this comes from. But when that happens, you think about it in our lives. We have used to doing something this way and this way. We've got a way of doing it. And all of a sudden, God changes it up a little bit. And the plan changes. And we kind of get, oh, man, what's, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? So we don't stumble during that time. We've got to look at what God and what he's doing. He's free to do that. He's God. He can make those decisions. So we've seen the fear of the Canaanites. We've seen the circumcision of the people. We've seen the celebration of the Passover. We have seen the manna that has been ceased. And then the last thing here, and we'll get into our, our application, is the captain of the Lord appears. Isn't it a, isn't it a neat thing? Those of us that are, are and I'm, I'm a sports person, I always have been. I enjoy that part. Isn't it always neat? And I, Probably more so when I was younger than I am now, but it's, it's always cool to see these people that we look up to in our, in our sports world. I remember years ago seeing Magic Johnson, and I've seen LeBron. I've seen these people, and you go to these football games, and you're like, oh, man, this is, this is pretty neat. This is a pretty neat experience. Well, here you have the Lord appearing. The captain of the Lord appears. So this is the pinnacle. And a question is, is asked, but it really wasn't the right question. Look in verse number 13. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Now put yourself in this situation. If you're walking out at night, guys, and you're walking out to take that bag of trash, and you look up and you see a silhouette of somebody standing there, there's a few things that's going to happen, okay? You're going to flee or you're going you're to fight. It's one of these two things. Adrenaline's going to kick in. And so what happens to Joshua is he asks a question that immediately the, the question is not the right question. Look at verse number 14. No. Once again, it, it's unusual. It doesn't make sense. But as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And notice what Joshua did. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did what? He worshiped. So this captain was somebody that obviously he recognized. And the proper question should have been, 
Lord, am I on your side? Am I going where you're going? Am I going to do what you tell us to do in our plans? And it says in verse number 15, And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So as we look at this story, and we've went, read through the narrative here, and we've seen what has happened with the fear all the way to the captain of the Lord, now let's apply and put it, what do we do when God changes up our plans and our issues and our battles? What do we need to do? Remember, go back to the wedding story. Everybody that's in the crowd doesn't see the mosquito, but everybody saw the slap. And I think it's in those moments where God really speaks and says, look, everybody doesn't know what you're going through, but I am here with you. I've, I, I've got it. Just trust. It's an unusual plan. Look, you've got to go by means of this. You've got to go down this road. You have got to do unusual things, but stick with me. I've got you. So as we look at unusual plan, I think three things make sense as we look at this, as we look at our plans and our issues and our battles. And that's number one, that this was a plan of consecration to God. At the heart of every battle, at the heart of every plan that we have, you know it and I know it. It's going to be a spiritual battle. If you want to live for God, it's going to be a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So as I read this and I thought about this, sometimes before we make our plans, we need to do some spiritual inventory. We need to have some spiritual surgery. And God may need to cut some things out of our lives. He may need to get rid of some things so we can be right before him you say well I don't want to do that well that's our problem that's the whole point is this this act of consecration is one that will show everybody else that God's got this and I'm going to trust in him completely for what he has got so what is it for us on the surface it may look foolish God has different plans literally he tells these men before a battle you're going to have some surgery to be done. You are going to have to obey. You're going to have to do those things that I tell you to do, and you're going to have to do it now. It didn't seem convenient. It, did, it was impractical. Maybe even a little bit of rebellion. Put, you, put yourself in those shoes. All right? You've got a major surgery coming up, and you've got something planned. You would not want that done. It wasn't, it's just not the right time. I can't be sick right now. It doesn't work out in my plans. Maybe they said, Joshua, why didn't we do this before the Jordan River? We're getting ready to go fight. Why, why can't we do it then? And literally, they were at their most vulnerable right before their biggest, one of the biggest fights. And God was making a point. And he said this, if you're not obedient to me, 
you are not going to do some things. So the idea of the plan of consecration was this. Two words. Simple obedience. you got to trust in his plans. It's not in our strength. It's not what we can do. It's not in your strategy. How many times, oh man, how many times have you sit down, you and your wife, the family sits down, and you have a major decision coming up, and then you start planning things out. And you're going here, and you're doing that, and all this happens, and all of a sudden, the first day that you try to enact those plans, something goes crazy, and you're like, well, Lord, he must not want us to do this. <laughs> it's not right. I can't do it. You've got to cut out everything and say, Lord, let me start with you first. Let me give up my strength. Let me give up my strategy. Let me give up my superiority and let, me have, let you have everything that needs to hap- happen there. Give away the intelligence. Lord, I can't do it. Don't have enough to do it there. Trust in his plans. The evidence of our consecration, remember this, is simple obedience. Simple obedience. If he says go, go. If he says do, you do. That's what has to happen. Number two, an unusual plan. It was a plan of consecration. Number two, it was a plan of remembrance. It was a plan of remembrance. And what I mean by this is there he tells them in verse number nine that this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And that reproach had to do with the shame, the slavery. Um, It was a radical trust and that obedience there. And it was such a place of remembrance that in verse, in chapter number four, 12 stones were put there and they called that place Gilgal. And so as I look at this, they need to have a place where they can go back and remember what God has done for them. We do it every year. All we do is we call it Thanksgiving. All right? You're off school, you're off work. And you go sit down behind the table, and you got all this food. And then what happens at that time? Hey, somebody tell me what you're thankful for. Hey, what's going on? And we begin to have a place of remembrance. My question to you tonight is, where's your Gilgal? Where's your Gilgal? Where is it that you go back? God, help me remember who I was before I got saved. Well, that'll change your attitude, won't it? Help me remember. I don't want to go back to there. God, you've changed my life. You've, you have changed my heart. Remember, God, help me remember that, that, that night that I made a promise to you that I'm not doing this anymore. It's my place of Gilgal. God, remind me of your goodness. Remind me of your provision. What did you do for me? Help me that I can tell others. Where's your Gilgal? Thank you for getting me out of this horrible situation. You know, sometimes we do this. If, if, Lord, if you get me out, I'll never, I'll never do it again. And we do it again. But you know what? God's still faithful. He still provides. There's still a plan there. I wrote this down, and I thought it's, it was unique. Um, sometimes looking back enables us to face what is coming up. If there's been a pattern of things that we've done, well, let's don't do it again if it's bad, but if it's good, sometimes looking back will help us to face what is coming up. A pastor said it like this, because God is good, everything he does is good. 
if everything he does is good, then everything he does is for your good. When he changes your plans, listen to this, it's because he knows what you do not know, and it's good for you. God loves you. He doesn't have ulterior motives or a hidden agenda. He is making us more and more like Jesus, his perfect son. He's not a trickster. God, you, what are you doing? No, he has a plan. It may be a little bit different sometimes, but he's taking you through that plan, and you need to lean and you need to trust. It's an unusual chapter. All right, we find an unusual story, some unusual events. It was a plan of consecration. It was a plan of remembrance. And number three, it was a plan of direction. It was a plan of direction. Now, guys, I know you because you're going to be like me. We hate asking for directions. And unless we're just completely lost and we can't find it, we're not going to ask. Now, we do have our phones. All right, we've got that now. So sometimes we don't need that. We're not asking. We're not asking for instructions to put together that thing that you bought at Christmas. For your, you're not going to do that, okay? We're going to find it or we're going to break it. It's going to be one or the other. So that's what we do. Joshua asked the question again. I'll remind you of about a plan of direction. The captain of the Lord host came. And he says, which way are you going? Are you with us? Are you against us? Which, which way are you going to do? This is what, as I was studying this and, and I was looking, this is what is amazing. Uh, you know, God sees everything, right? We, we say this sometimes, hindsight's always what? 2020. We go through something, we look back and we say, oh, I see now. But I didn't have that knowledge before. I couldn't unless I just went through it. As I was studying this, this was awesome. It says, the army of the Lord here is used in a way that implies that the armies commanded are angelic armies. This is, being, this is a being who commands an angelic army. Evidently, there's an army going before Joshua that Joshua can't even see. A host of angels accompanying them as they prepare to fight. Man, you think about that just for a little bit. You think about that place where you got stuck at and you didn't know the outcome. You didn't know the direction that you were going. And you have that angelic army, so to speak, that's watching out for you. And God has already got this thing orchestrated. He's got all the plans. He's got everything worked out. But you couldn't see it yet. But there, the sword is drawn for you. The captain of the Lord of the host is there for you, and he is always for us. So what we've got to find out is how do we get in his army? How do we get on his side? Then I got my marching orders from him. What an awesome thought and a plan of direction. This week on Monday, um, lost a good friend of our family, and I thought about them in this last point, a plan of direction. This young man was 38 years old, and Monday we walked through a receiving line of his family that we have known for a number of years. I've known this, 
young man. He's only 38 years old. Since he just, I mean, he's been in the school since so little and just known their family. And we walked through a receiving line this week, and we were hugging necks, and we were remembering a little bit of, of who Aaron was. But that wife definitely, that wasn't in her plan to lose a husband. I think they've been married for about 15 years. To lose a husband and to, to leave two boys behind, one in sixth grade, one in third grade, that wasn't in her plans. It wasn't in her plans. And the dad, as I went through the line and I hugged his neck, and he was, I was, I was just tore up. I'm just being honest. It really just, it took me a few days to kind of process this and to try to understand it's unusual, God. Why? Why? Why now? And I know this. Everything, and you know this. Everything that God does is good. He doesn't have an ulterior motive. He is perfecting who we are. But you ask in that moment, God, why? Why did this have to take place? Why did this? Why did a thirty-eight-year-old man? Now he he did. He was a diabetic. He had a massive heart attack, and his wife was there with him. And my wife was talking to her this week and just going through just the, the agony of the loss. I don't know why. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that was in God's plan. But I do know this. The same God that's alive when Aaron was living is the same God that is alive. When he's gone. It's the same one. He's the same captain. He can have the sword. He's still in control. And what he done before for them, he can still do now for them. And that is, and I watched that family. And I watched them as we, man, they stood in line for an hour, hour and a half. And then they went back and they came back out. And I'm telling you, the harder time is now. Now that the loneliness sets in and the whys and the sleepless nights. And it's, a, it's an unusual plan. But I think God has everything under control. Jason, Liz, if you'll come up to the piano. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here tonight and this is an unusual story, I'll tell you. It's one of those things that you have to read that I've literally, I've listened to, I've read, I've studied. Lord, why now? Why, why this time? Why do you do things this way? And I, and I, think, I think he says this, in the, it's a plan of consecration. You need to simply obey what I am telling you to do. I think it's a plan of remembrance. It's something that we need to draw back up in our minds and we ask God, God, help us remember this. Help us remember those times. Help us to go back. And I think it's a, it's a place in our lives where we need to go back and we need to figure out that direction and we just simply trust in who God is. I think it's one of those things we need to remember. Simply obey. Often remember trust in God's direction. Let's have a word of prayer, then we'll have a song of a verse. Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. God, I thank you for helping tonight. Hopefully, the message was understandable, God. And Lord, I know you've helped me, and as even if I have delivered tonight, God, you've shown some things to me, God. And Lord, you're good. 
you want and have our best interest in mind. Uh, it's not a trick. It's not an ulterior motive. It's not a hidden agenda. God, it's something that you're working through your people to get us to the place that you want us to be. God, help us to see it. Help us to get behind the captain. Lord, help us to get behind you and say, all right, I'm a teenager. I'll do this. I'm a young adult. I'm going to do this. I'm a young married couple. God, we need you right now. We don't know what's going on. Help us, Lord. Give us your strength. Lord, give us your insight. God, we will thank you for what you're going to do for us and the plans that you have for us.